Hello and welcome to the Quiet Out Loud. Oh my gosh, it's been a few weeks since I've recorded an episode just with Thanksgiving and traveling and my daughter has started playing basketball. Like life is crazy and the holidays are crazy. Just the schedule. Like listen, man, if you're a mom out there, (laughs) you're trying to survive like these last two weeks before the holiday break with all of the Christmas concerts and buying Christmas clothes and sending out Christmas cards and doing all the holiday shopping and trying to keep it all magical at the same time while you're trying to like, I don't know if you're like me, but I just feel like I hold the holidays together with like glue and duct tape. (laughs) Like I got some friends holiday cards, which I love um, in the mail, right? When we got home from Thanksgiving and we are not sending out a card this year. I didn't get pictures taken. We're not sending out a card. And so I'm looking at this card and you know what? Like I did not feel bad. I don't feel bad that I didn't get a card sent out or a picture taken this year. Like, you know, every year is different. And um, I just so appreciate those mamas who have it all together or, you know, maybe don't have it all together, but you know, they're getting it done and sending out those cards and doing an amazing job. And maybe we're not exactly the same, but I wish it was. And I just, I see you and I know how difficult it is. May the Lord just bless you this holiday season, mamas out there and may his face shine upon you. And may it just be a wonderful season filled with his glory. Can I get an amen? (laughs) The holidays y'all man, it is just, it's, it's a really crazy time. Um, and it is difficult to not let the kind of the busyness overwhelm really the joy of the season. So anyways, I just wanted to throw that out there as I've, you know, just been kind of navigating this season, just like everybody else right now. Um, okay. So today we are going to talk about deconstructing your religion. Okay. And before we get started, I want to mention my sponsor for today, which is me. I have been an affiliate with money for five years and my entire family uses their naturally derived hair care, skincare, and wellness products. My personal hair transformation has been amazing. And I am obsessed with their anti-aging skincare line. And we have some super cute holiday sets that are available right now too. Um, I bought some new lip oils for my daughters for Christmas. Super excited to get those in. Um, if you want to check out their products, you can join as my personal VIP customer and get 15% off every day, plus other discount opportunities, rewards programs, free products, and all other kinds of great benefits to get started. Take the quiz in my show notes, and I will personally reach out to you via text message to answer any questions that you might have. Okay. And one more thing, one more thing. I don't usually do this on my podcast, but like one more shout out before I get started. Um, I have on today, my friend has an Etsy shop and I have on her um, Jesus 2024 sweatshirt. Um, and it is so cute and so comfortable. I absolutely love it. Now, most of you are probably listening to this, not watching, but if you watch the YouTube video, you can see it. I have it on, but I want to put a link to her Etsy shop in the bottom. Like I love this sweatshirt and I'm telling you guys, like, whew, I haven't been on here since like Trump announced his, um, nomination and since Kanye, all of that. Anyway. So, um, I'm wearing my Jesus 2024 shirt because Jesus has my vote. I don't know about the rest of these guys. Okay. So (laughs) today we're going to talk about, uh, deconstructing your religion. And I put a little post up in my Instagram stories, uh, just, you know, trying to get some feedback on this topic overall. And, you know, someone asked me, which I really appreciate. Someone asked me a really genuine question of like, well, what does that even mean? Like what is deconstructing, your religion? What what does that look like? What does that even mean? So first of all, when you're deconstructing something, 
ultimately you start from a place of believing there's no objective truth. Like the, the path of deconstruction isn't necessarily a truth seeking path. People might think that it is or convince themselves that that's how they're starting this journey. And maybe, maybe ultimately they, they are starting out that way. But the reality is, is if you're truly deconstructing something, it's believing that there's no objective truth. It's also believing that everything is a man-made social construct designed to oppress some people while benefiting others. It's believing that nothing is in place because God created it that way to have order and meaning. So if everything we have in our society is a social construct, that means that you can tear it apart and then reconstruct it however you want. You can deconstruct marriage, gender, sex, religion. And this is postmodernism. This isn't people being edgy or intellectual or even enlightened. It's just instead of being told how the world works by God and the Bible, you're now being told how the world should work according to a college philosophy class. So um, in my opinion, though, all all deconstruction does come back to religion because without religion, we really don't have a moral or even societal framework at all. So let's say you deconstruct the idea of biblical marriage. Um, Your first step in deconstruction is to never, ever be satisfied with the answer that God just created it that way. Because you believe his design is oppressive and unfair. I mean, again, like that's your starting place. Like I mentioned in the beginning, like your starting place is there's no absolute truth. And you believe that everything is oppressive and unfair today with the way that it's set up. So that's what postmodernism teaches you. So that's really all it takes to deconstruct biblical marriage is your opinion that it's oppressive and, and unfair. So then the next is that you reconstruct what you believe is not oppressive and a fair approach to marriage according to you. Deconstruction is really a disingenuous exercise overall, in my opinion, because the goal is not really truth or the welfare of society. It's just an exercise in narcissism. Uh, But this process continues until you've replaced all current biblical constructs with your own. And ta-da, you're no longer identifying as a Christian because you believe you believe Christianity is oppressive and unfair. So um okay, you guys, I totally forgot this. I can't even believe I forgot this. Um so let me back up for just a second before we really dive in today. Um I totally forgot that I moved my podcast over to Substack. I am <laughs> and I'm really excited about that. And let me tell you why. Um For most of you, this will probably make no difference whatsoever. The podcast is still available on all major uh, podcasting platforms, but I'm also hosting it on Substack. And here's the reason why. One, most of my podcasts I write out. It is all very scripted. And so I am actually posting my script that I write as a blog post on Substack and there will now be the podcast voiceover that is attached to that transcript. So you can read it, you can read the episode, you can listen to the episode, you can do both at the same time. But one of the things that I am 
most excited about is that we can comment and chat and talk about the podcast episode um, together. And that was one of the things I was felt like I was just really kind of missing from the podcast is further engagement on the topic kind of outside of Instagram. So what your Substack, Substack subscription, say that three times fast, will allow you to do is just to connect with me on these topics. So I can do live chats. Um, I can also, you can comment on the podcast episode and we can chat back and forth there. So I think it's going to be really, really cool. And I am very excited about it. And I'm going to put the link um, at the end in the show notes as well to my Substack subscription. Okay. There are free options. There are paid options. Um, so please take a look at that. I'm really excited about it. I cannot believe I didn't just say that from the beginning, but (laughs) here we go. Okay. If, if postmodernism is our intellect, then new ageism is our religion. So that's kind of the headliner for today's episode on deconstructing our religion. Okay. I talked about deconstructing on my November 9th podcast. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to do that. Um, I start the episode by giving kind of like I did today, but it's a little bit different. Um, I start the episode by giving a brief definition of what postmodernism is and how it relates to the current trend of deconstruction. In that episode, I talk specifically about the deconstruction of gender, but I mention a few other things our society is deconstructing. And one of those is religion. And I had this kind of like new wave of thought the other day. So I have been preparing for a conversation with a dear friend about the Enneagram. Um, and this really had my brain thinking about not, not about deconstructing, but about new age spiritual practices. And but it kind of became clear to me that not only is deconstructing an exercise in postmodern ideology, it's also a new age spiritual practice, or at least it leads you to new age spiritual practices. And we're going to talk about that because postmodernism and new age really hold hands and kind of have a symbiotic relationship. They feed into each other. This was kind of a new connection for me. Okay. Maybe other people have already made this connection and but this was new one for me. And I wanted to share this with you. So, and asking kind of like which one comes first, the postmodernism or new age. I don't know. I think they kind of actually kind of both came onto the scene maybe about the same time, but I don't know. I kind of see like maybe postmodernism started um, and then new age kind of came in because like in order to have postmodernism, you have to tear down religion. So when you tear down religion, like what do you replace your spirituality with? Well, you replace it with yourself. And that's really what new age is. So I don't know if it's chicken or the egg, but start with one and you'll end up believing and honoring the other. So if postmodernism is our intellect, the new ageism is our religion. Postmodernism tells you that there is no truth. Everything is a manufactured societal construct, religion, gender, etc. And the new ageism swoops in to assure you the only truth you really need is inside of you. You just need to tap into your higher self. So just like, does that make sense? Like postmodernism gives you the intellectual framework to tear down society as we know it. And new ageism gives you the spiritual framework to build up a new world based on yourself with you at the center. 
If you start down the path of new age self-discovery, you'll want to tear down society as we know it today because it's going to try and limit your idea of self. And if you start down the path of wanting to tear down society, you're going to need to replace it also with yourself. So either way, you end up at the same place. You're very focused on yourself and your individual happiness. And deconstructing your religion is kind of a, it is a trend, right? Deconstructing in general is a trend right now, but deconstructing your religion is really trendy right now on social media, on TikTok and places like that. There's a, there's just a whole, like you can hashtag it, whatever. Um, and honestly, this is, it's just trendy narcissism. If you ask me, but which all deconstruction in my mind is because you, you tear down all societal constructs and just replace them with self constructs. And I want to say that again, It's trendy narcissism because with all deconstruction, you tear down societal constructs and replace them with self constructs. Okay, guys, I am, I'm 41 now, 41 and a half. So why don't adults do that? Like kids do that, right? They're like, I'm three and a half. Okay. So I'm 41 and a half. And if you would have asked me even just two years ago, like which age group was deconstructing their religion the most? I would have said Gen Z. Listen, I have no data to support this. Okay. This is all anecdotal observations. I, I mean, but you know, I see a lot of people on social media. So, but if you would have asked me, I would have said Gen Z, but I have realized in the last couple of years that this is actually a big trend among millennials, even elder millennials like myself. Now I'm not saying Gen Z isn't deconstructing, Um, and, and maybe they're doing it the most. I don't know. All I'm saying is, is that I have personally noticed a big trend among millennials of deconstructing their religion. It's not Gen Z deconstructing. It's Gen Z's mom. Like she's the one on TikTok deconstructing. It's this middle-aged woman who has some, had some sort of grand epiphany about her religion or more accurately her Christianity. And this epiphany usually comes with some sort of church hurt or church trauma and like church hurt, church trauma, like that's a whole nother trend. Okay. And I do call it a trend. It's a whole nother trend that, you know, I could do another episode on, but, um, and I'm not talking about those who have left abusive church situations. And I think I said this in in another podcast, but I'm not talking about those people who have left abusive church situations and had to reframe or relearn the Bible teaching that they thought that they knew because that does exist. And I know some of those people, but they didn't leave or blame Christianity. They appropriately left and blamed poor leadership and unsound teaching. Whereas many of these deconstructionists just seem intent on destroying Christianity until there's nothing left but themselves. The hurt by the church in a lot of these cases um, isn't severe or abusive. Rather, it's just the, the people just have a general lack of discontentment or unhappiness. I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys some examples of this. So you, I'm not just making stuff up, but, and they also like, maybe they've just decided like, Hey, times have changed. So the understanding of the Bible should change too. Like that's when I see a lot, like people change their theology based on current politics or cultural trends, or maybe something that's going on in their own personal and family life. But the Bible didn't change. Like what the word of God did not change. Society changed. Politics changed. Opinions changed. But it's the Bible 
that suddenly found offensive, even though it didn't do the changing. And if the church sticks to the biblical definition of things like marriage or gender, the church is now accused of inflicting trauma. Therefore, the church must be deconstructed. Religion must be to blame for the hurt, for the disappointment, for the unhappiness, not sin, not sinful, not sinful people, the church, all of it. To me, it seems like there are a lot of people who are willing to deconstruct their religion, but not themselves, which is actually what Christianity requires of us, deconstructing ourselves and our own selfish desires, our own fleshly desires. And it's it's interesting because these deconstructionists, like again, it's a whole trend on social media. So they actually become evangelists for deconstructing. They become missionaries for their new cause because they literally go out into the world and try to save people from religion. Like if you listen to my podcast, if you've listened to prior episodes and followed me on social media for a while, I've I've given a couple of of examples of this type of person. I want to kind of connect those dots for you. Um, One was the woman from my abortion podcast who attacked my TikTok videos. Like she has a fairly large TikTok TikTok following herself. And a huge part of her platform is her personal deconstruction journey and now attempting to save others from Christianity and the trauma of the church. And she makes a determined effort to find and stitch Christian content specifically to point out where she feels like a Christian isn't being very quote unquote Christian. And she has surrounded herself with like-minded women who have also deconstructed. So the comment sections of you know, this, this particular account's videos are full of women tearing down uh, Christian women, calling them names, bullying them. Like it's a whole world. It's a whole world that I never knew existed. And it feels a lot like an eighth grade girl's locker room. It's like gossipy, overly emotional, clickish. Okay. So that's, that's kind of one example. Um, one larger example I've seen on social media of this deconstructed woman. The second example that I want to give you is um, not from TikTok. It's from Instagram, Instagram comments. Like this person um, has, you know, made several comments across um, uh, several of my videos. Um, and they were arguing with another person on one of my videos. And I want to focus on the last part of one particular comment that they made. And I actually have the whole comment posted um, again on my Substack uh, feed. So if you want to look at that, you can look at that while I'm talking about this. But the last thing that she said in this very long comment was, I was a Christian. This is her quote, sorry, quote, I was a Christian for most of my life. I went to Bible study, led small groups, served in a lot of ministries. My kids went to mops and a Christian preschool that my stepmom also taught at. I did mission services all the time. I was not happier then than I am now. In fact, I am happier now than I have ever been. I wish you the best of luck in whatever this endeavor is. Just know that from a former Christian, this is not in all caps. This is not the way to someone's heart, end quote. Okay. So in summary, what this says is, Hey, look, I checked all the Christian boxes and you know what? It didn't make me happy. And even though I'm not a Christian anymore, I'm here to tell you that you're doing Christianity wrong. Like, isn't this a self-refuting argument? Like someone sitting here saying like, here's how I did Christianity and I was miserable and I quit. I can see that you aren't doing Christianity like I did. So you must be doing it wrong. Otherwise you'd be miserable and quitting too. 
Like, why would I listen to these people when it comes to being a Christian? Again, and these are two very specific examples. I'm not calling, I'm not providing these examples to call these women out specifically. Like, please do not research them and and chat with them. I blocked the one person. Like I, you know, sometimes you just got to show grace where people can't remove themselves from a situation. Like, so I actually have blocked both of them. Um, and not because I don't want to engage, but because the, the engagement isn't fruitful. And so I'm just providing them as, as examples of a larger trend. Again, my, my intent is not to call them out personally. Um, they are simply a more vocal representative of a larger trend of deconstruction among middle-aged women that I have noticed. And I want to talk about not only how we potentially got here, which I'm going to get into um, at the end of this, but but what the Bible says about it, like, okay, there are a few similarities that I have observed in deconstructionists overall. Okay. So these are a few similarities that I have observed in deconstructionists overall. Number one, because they are a former Christian, they know how to do Christianity better than you do. Like they're somehow, again, like they're somehow more enlightened now that they're like on the other side of things, if that makes sense. So listen, Christianity is not a career choice. You can show me your Christian resume all day long, full of great things. But at the end of the day, you didn't finish the race. Your activity means very little. It was just meaningless busy work. According to you, actually, the work doesn't matter if at the end you scrapped it all and are now saying it was done under false pretenses. You're literally admitting that you did those works, not out of love, but out of obligation. If you quit Christianity and not just quit, but now you've systematically, systemically like torn it down because you got hurt or your politics changed or your politics started to matter more to you. Like you're not an expert. You're a quitter. Now that might sound harsh. And I haven't even got to the harsh part yet. Like <laughs> it might sound harsh. And I'm going to elaborate more on this in a minute. But if, if you hate Christians and you hate Christianity, like I'm sorry, I'm not inclined to listen to your feedback on how to be a good one because being a good Christian in your mind means abandoning it altogether, just like you did. You might be a knowledgeable, you might be knowledgeable on Christianity, but that doesn't mean you are or ever were a Christian. And you know what? I'd argue that if you are able to tell yourself that you deconstructed your Christianity, then you aren't actually all that knowledgeable about it either. Okay. Number two on just kind of uh, similarities that I've observed in deconstructionists. Um, they had a work and feeling based religion versus a faith based transformational relationship. Okay, I want to say that again. They had a work and feeling based religion versus a faith based transformational relationship. Every deconstructionist I've encountered, including these two examples that I have provided you, are very quick to flash you, again, like I just said, very quick to flash you, flash you their resume of good works that they did while they were a Christian, as if they feel that is proof that they were actually one. Look at all these great things that I did while I was a Christian. Look what I did for God. But the list of what he did for me was short. You know what? I still wasn't happy. Look at all these things I did for him. He did nothing for me. I wasn't happy. Or maybe something bad still happened to them, or they still struggled with the same old urges and desires. So, you know what? Being a Christian, like it wasn't worth it after all. I did all of this work and the payout, I didn't like the payout from God. So I quit. What is so interesting to me, though, is that, that after all this deconstructing, they still want you to know, they still want you to know the works that they did. 
it's, it's just very, it's, it's very prideful, I think. And they're still judging other, they're still judging other Christians for what they perceive as a lack of works, or again, as, as, as not being a very good Christian in their mind. Again, Christianity is not a career choice, a career choice. You don't put works in and get paid out in blessings and happiness. If that's what you thought Christianity was, you were focused on a transactional relationship, not a transformational one. When we get to the pearly gates, God is not going to be asking for your resume of good works. He will be asking, do you know my son, Jesus? Okay. So third, third on similarities I've noticed amongst deconstructionists is happiness is the measure of their Christianity. And when happiness is lacking or not measuring up, well, then Christianity and the church must be at fault. It's never sin that's at fault. And it's certainly never their personal sin that's at fault. Pursuing, listen, pursuing happiness is not the same as pursuing God. Like it's the opposite guys. Sometimes (laughs) a lot of times, you know what you're right. Like you might actually feel happier not being a Christ follower, at least sometimes. Why? Why? Because it probably feels easier. Like you get to make the rules now, not you or not God, you. So you get to make the rules, not God you're in charge. And when you get to be the rule maker, you get to be the boss. And now again, like now you have entered this postmodern new age way of thinking. You are now the boss. You are the center of the universe. You have everything you need um, inside of you. Like I have said this many times before, and there are many, many instances in our current culture. Like, why can I talk? (laughs) There are many instances in our current culture where it would feel easier And you know what? Maybe, maybe it would even feel more loving to just not be a Christian because dying to ourself, to our flesh is, it is really hard sometimes. And it has to happen every single day with every single choice. And we aren't able to do that with a transactional relationship with God. We are only able to do that with a transformational relationship with God. One where we say, not my will, but yours. Our constant prayer and plea should be deconstruct me, O Lord, so that I may be ever transformed into your image. Okay. So the real question here that I have been circling around mentally for a few weeks is this, is it possible? Like, is it possible for a true Christian to deconstruct their faith biblically? Because we have to go back to the Bible when we're talking about Christianity. Like, what does the Bible say about deconstruction? Now, an absolutist will say, like, well, the Bible doesn't mention deconstruction at all, but actually it kind of does. Okay. So honestly, there is only one conclusion that I can come to, and it is this. There's no such thing as a Christian who has deconstructed their religion. There's really only two options. You are either were never redeemed and sealed by the Holy Spirit to begin with. Or you're having a prodigal moment and you will return and repent. Like, let's look at the first one because it was never a Christian to begin with, because I feel like this is largely the deconstructionist. Okay. And this is hard. Like, this is hard to hear, right? Like, this is potentially very hard to hear if you have friends or family members who have deconstructed. All right. So let's look at the first one was never a Christian to begin with. Um, because I feel like that's largely a deconstructionist. If you believe that you are powerful enough to pluck yourself from the hand of God, then you are saying you are more powerful than God and that your works are more powerful and important than the work of Christ on the cross. 
The Bible addresses the the idea of deconstruction in an extremely direct manner in 2 Peter um, chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. If in and here's, here's what it says. If indeed they have escaped the corruption of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, only to be entangled and overcome by it again, their final condition is worse than it was at first. It would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn away from the holy commandment passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. There's a verse that it's referencing is Proverbs 26, verse 11. It says, a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. I told you guys that we hadn't gotten to the harsh part yet. Like, this is pretty harsh language, right? And it's not mine. It's <laughs> it's God's. It's the Bible. Like, you can tell me all day... You can tell me all day long, like how much happier you are away from Christianity, but you've simply turned back to vomit and mud, biblically and spiritually speaking. Like, are you, are you familiar with the phrase lipstick on a pig? The deconstructed Christian is simply lipstick on a pig. When the lipstick wears off, they realize they're happier back in their mud pit. Like you can be super offended by that if you want, but the metaphor isn't calling someone fat or an actual pig or anything like that. It's, it's, it's calling something fake. And some of you are probably at this point, you're like, this is not loving Jennifer. (laughs) Guess what guys like deconstruction in hell, like isn't loving either. All right. Like look at the scripture above their final condition, final, no more chances is worse than before. And you might be thinking like, Okay, no one is going to go back to something that is worse than before. Again, we're talking we're talking spiritually. Think about Moses leading the Israelites out of bondage. They were literally begging to go back. Like I'm reading this right now in my Bible in a year plan. And as an outsider, like I'm sure if you've read through um, the Old Testament, like you have had these feelings, like as an outsider, it can get super annoying to listen to the Israelites complain. Like guys, you were just freed from slavery. Like, can't you be just a little grateful and happy? But almost immediately they start complaining. They build false, false gods. It's, it's too hard. It's too hard to be free. They don't feel happy. Thanks God for saving us, but we'd rather go back to slavery. But you know what? He doesn't let them because they couldn't see the big picture. Dude, It's a rough road and they had to learn how to be a free people. And I don't think we're that much different nowadays. We're comfortable in our slavery to sin and being free can feel too hard sometimes. It's easy to think like, oh man, if God would just answer this one prayer of mine, I'd be so happy. I'd be faithful to him forever for the rest of my life. But would you? The Israelites complained when they were enslaved. They complained when they were free. Like, have you ever heard the phrase, choose your hard? For example, um, people will say divorce is hard. And so, and, and so is staying married, like choose your hard. Or they'll say, um, exercising is hard, but so is being unhealthy. Choose your heart. Guess what, guys? Being in sin is hard. Being a Christian is hard. Choose your heart. Both options in all three of those examples will have hardships. 
but also in each example, there is an option that leads to great reward. Choose your heart. And just like the Israelites were not allowed to quote unquote, like unsave themselves from God's promises and reconciliation, we also cannot unsave ourselves ourselves once we've been sealed. Hebrews uh, chapter six, verses four through six goes on to further illustrate this kind of absurd idea that a Christian can unsave themselves. It says, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and then have fallen away to be restored to repentance because they themselves are crucifying the son of God all over again and subjecting him to open shame. Now, the Bible does talk about people falling away. So what does that mean if it doesn't mean that true Christ followers, if it doesn't mean true Christ followers rejecting their salvation? It means a falling away of those who identify as Christian in word, but not in faith. Sometimes, as in the parable of the wheat that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 13, verses 36 through 43, It's hard to tell the wheat from the weeds. Sometimes they look an awfully lot alike, especially when they are young and not mature. And this isn't just in church, but this is in the world as well. Without a great following away, we won't know the wheat from the weeds. When someone identifies as having deconstructed their Christian faith, they are simply identifying themselves as a weed versus a wheat. And a big problem in our culture, like it's kind of on this trend of identity that, you know, we've talked about, um, a big problem in our culture is self-identification. Um, and this has been caused by both, again, in my opinion, um, by both post-modernism and new age thinking. Consider the quote, I think, therefore I am. What is the meaning of this quote? Um, because I, I'll tell you, it means something different than if I was just to hear it without kind of knowing um, the definition in, in light of our current society and culture and context, um, here in the U S I've never said that before, but like here in the U S um, cause that's where I'm, I'm at. Um, I know people worldwide listen, but consider the quote. I think therefore I am, what is the meaning of this quote? Um, it actually means it actually meant at the time when the person wrote it, because I have the ability to think. I know I exist and I am alive, but in our current culture, we take it to mean whatever I think about myself, it must be true, which is a new age idea that leads to things like manifestation, law of attraction, et cetera. But this is also a postmodern idea in that nothing else is true or real other than what you believe about yourself. This is what is also driving the current identity crisis Um, that we have in our country and the theory of intersectionality. The more labels I have, the more self-identities I have, the higher I am on the oppression scale and the more value I have in our society. I'm going to say this again before I say this next part. The more labels I have, the more self-identities I have, the higher I am on the oppression scale and the more value I have in our society. Isn't it interesting, interesting, isn't it interesting that we want to tear down our current social constructs only to replace them with new social constructs based on self-identification, not based on science or biology or, you know, the Bible or God's word based on self-identification. When you have eliminated belief in social constructs and replace them with self-constructs, 
self-identity reigns supreme. You will see this at work all across various parts of our culture, from Christianity to sexuality and gender. But self-identification, guys, it's ultimately worthless. Why? Because it's as fleeting as your feelings. How often do we pray for God to put to death our earthly desires and replace them with his will and, and his fruit of the spirit? Listen, you can project, profess, and proclaim an identity all that you want, but it does not mean that you rightfully possess that identity. I'm going to say that again. I know I'm repeating myself a lot today. You can project, profess, and proclaim an identity all you want, but it does not mean you rightfully possess that identity. So when a Christian tells us that they have deconstructed their Christianity, honestly, like maybe we should thank them. Their rejection of Christ has outed them as not a believer in the first place. And this allows us to not only pray for their true repentance and salvation, but protect ourselves from their false teaching. Can I give what I think are a couple of real life examples of this? And this is the part where if I haven't upset you on a podcast episode yet, I don't know. I don't know. This might be the one. <laughs> I don't, we'll see. Um, this might ruffle a few feathers, um, but that is kind of the name of the podcast. As I was beginning to notice this trend of deconstruction among millennial women, I had to stop and ask, like, how did this happen? Where and when did it start? Was there a specific catalyst? And I'm not drawing a hard conclusion to the examples that I'm about to give or casting specific blame, but rather just kind of taking note and acknowledging some of the people that Christian women admire and the impact they have had on faith. And this can be this can be really tricky sometimes to navigate. Okay, so first of all, like why is it the millennial women woman where I'm seeing this kind of deconstructed Christian trend? And I actually asked this on my Instagram stories a while back. And someone else pointed this out to me. And to be honest, I, I almost fell out of my chair because I agreed and couldn't believe, honestly, that I didn't think of it myself because I had had kind of a personal experience um, with what she pointed out. Okay. So in 2014, I read a book by Jen Hatmaker. Like, have you ever read a book by her? She is extremely fun. You know, like she writes well, very relatable, very funny. She seems to have a really great personality. Like, I loved her book. And I read it and thought like, how cool is this funny Christian female that is wise and cute? Like, yay, let's just clink our wine glasses, shall we girls? Okay. Like, I don't, I don't know how long my infatuation with her lasted, but it wasn't, it wasn't too long. Um, I, I think I ended up reading two of her books in total. And then she and her husband at the time took some major theological turns. And to me, that was a huge red flag. Like, I don't care how big your church is, how many books you've sold, how many people, again, like, I don't care about your resume. I don't, I mean, just like we've been talking about, um, you can check all the boxes, but that doesn't mean you're theologically sound. You know, I don't care how funny or cute or relatable you are. When suddenly you interpret the Bible differently after years and years of ministry and your new interpretation doesn't match sound theological teaching. Like that's a, that's a long pause for me, guys. That's a long pause. Like I need to sit with that myself and digest and truth check myself. And you know what? Ultimately, like I was fine. 
letting go of the teachings of Jen Hatmaker because I disagreed. I disagreed with the conclusions that she came to. And if we have major theological discrepancies, like, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, buy into the rest of your theology either. And listen, I'm not, I'm not demanding perfection from theological mentors, but I am demanding soundness and consistency. Like guys, life is going to happen. Sin is going to happen. There are other Christian authors and leaders who have had to deal with life struggles publicly or who have had to repent and they haven't changed their theology. So I was fine. I was fine letting go of Jen versus letting go of Jesus. But many women were not fine letting go of her. They just followed right along. It was actually kind of shocking to me. Like I remember like talking about this with my husband at the time, like, and I actually did, I actually, um, I actually did a, a, not a public apology, but cause I had recommended her books to people and, you know, and after that I was just like, oh man, I don't know. I just don't know if I should have done that. And I didn't do like a public apology, but I did do like a public post of saying like, you know what, I I no longer agree with this. And if I have ever done something that sent you down the wrong path, like I apologize for that. And, um, but a lot of women just followed right along and changed their theology too. Now, Jen didn't fully deconstruct her religion per se, but she did rewrite the parts she didn't like. And I say per se, because she does, as far as I know, I don't follow her anymore, but I, as far as I know, she still professes Christianity. But I have to admit her partial deconstruction, in my opinion, really led a lot of women astray, maybe even a generation, which is why I think maybe we see a full deconstruction from, from a whole age group. Because really like once you deconstruct one part of the Bible, like what, there's nothing to stop you from the rest. Like if, if this one part isn't true and isn't good, like, well, then none of the rest of it is either. And it wasn't just her at the time. Like it was, it was really this, this season several years ago. Um, we also had Glennon Doyle and Rachel Hollis and the rise of Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. You know, Jesus Calling maybe was a little earlier, but you know, to me, again, that's just a gateway to new age thinking. I've Once I learned how Jesus Calling came to be, I never read it. Um, so again, I, I know like, oh my gosh, I know I am probably pushing like s- some buttons on some people right now. But we have to be more in love and more committed to Jesus and his word than to our favorite author and their words, or even our favorite pastor, no matter how fun and relatable they are, like ugh, they're not the idols that we're supposed to follow and worship. Many aren't deconstructing Christianity. They're simply constructing an idol to themselves. Okay. Let's look at the second conclusion that I mentioned way back ago. Like uh, if you consider yourself a deconstructed Christian, like mostly I feel like that means like probably we're never really a Christian to begin with. Um, And the second conclusion was maybe you're having a, a prodigal moment and you will repent and return. Like you, me, no one, not seeing one single Christian is going to make it perfectly through life with no sin, even after salvation. The question is, what do you do about your sin in your life? Do you continue it? Do you justify it? Do you twist theology to encompass it? Like if you look at the prodigal son parable, the youngest son had a terrible resume. He had a terrible resume. But in the end, he humbly comes back and repents. And the older son is jealous. It's all about him and his better resume. His works list is longer. 
but he lacked contentment and gratitude. And ultimately he lacked the humbleness and repentant heart posture. Doesn't this oldest son sound a lot like the deconstructionist? Hey dad, I checked all the boxes and this isn't fair and I'm unhappy. So you really should be making a different decision. Meanwhile, the father fully restores and redeems the younger son. So a wanderer is not always lost. Like maybe someone's questioning or, you know, falling away isn't permanent. Like it's temporary and they will be fully restored because they do belong to the father. Um, And I actually pray for these women that they aren't fakes and that they, they are just wandering and that, that they're the one that he leaves the 99 for, that they're the prodigal. But I don't know. I don't know. If you're deconstructing, I just have a few questions. Like, what are you rebuilding? And who gave you that authority? Where is your new life blueprint coming from? And if the path of deconstruction leads you away from Christianity altogether, like truly pause and ask yourself, like, what are you rebuilding? And where is that coming from? My personal experience has been that God has never let me go. Even when I felt like that's what I wanted, it felt like the easier path to go back to the mud pit. And it would be a lie to say I've never questioned God or the Bible or thought like, man, this would, there's, there's, it would just be easier to walk away. I have definitely had life moments where I've asked, maybe even begged God, like, just let me go. Sometimes self destruction can look more enticing than the whole return and repent thing. It is really hard sometimes, but thankfully he has never let me go. He has always called me back home and I hope and I pray that he always does the same for you. Okay, guys, that is it for today's episode. Uh, It was so fun to record again. I'm so excited to be back from break. So please um, join Substack. Like, Let's have a conversation and talk about this. I would love to hear from you there. The link will be at the bottom in the show notes. All right. Thanks, guys.